Uh, I'm glad you're here. And today what I want to talk with you about uh, is what I think is one of the most crucial parables in the way that you will do life with other people. Now, as we've looked at the parables of Jesus, what we have seen so far is that Jesus does not hold back on hard topics. And what I've tried to remind everyone every week of this series is that many people will tell you that the reason Jesus taught in parables is so that you, if you don't understand some of the spiritual principles he's teaching, then he will kind of dumb it down and give you a nice allegory in which you can understand these deeper meanings. Well, I was taught that growing up in my own faith. And so I would read through parables. I would skim over them and go, oh yeah, I know what he's saying here. I got it. I mean, I'm spiritual. I mean, you don't even have to dumb this down. I got it. And as I grew and as I matured, what I found was this is not at all what Jesus is doing with the parables. In fact, usually in the parables, what he's doing is he's teaching in such a way and his teachings are so profound that if you're not paying attention, he doesn't even want you to get it. Now, that goes against a lot of what we assume about Jesus, how he teaches. And today, even the way that we teach as churches, as pastors, we try to make everything so accessible and so easy for people to understand. We'll spend hours and hours and hours taking these complex teachings and trying to make them simple to apply and to use. But that is not the way Jesus taught. Instead, Jesus consistently would, would give a teaching and then he would say, if you have ears to hear or eyes to see, then you will get this. But if you don't, you won't. I find it so interesting when we look at the way that Jesus responds to people. It is not that Jesus wanted to make it difficult. It's that Jesus wanted you to be all in. And once we get all in, God's word opens up. And we begin to see things we never saw, hear things we never heard, and we're able to work and live and experience God in this world in ways we never would have before. And it's one of the reasons I believe so many people can attend church and yet feel empty even after attending church regularly, because there is a difference in doing things religiously, and there is a difference in truly knowing Christ and following Him. Much of the parables are meant to confuse people who are maybe curious but not really invested. And so as we go through this one, this is certainly one of those parables. There are some low-lying fruit we can easily take out of it. But if we dive in a little deeper, we look at some other teachings throughout Scripture, we'll find that what he is teaching us is even more profound. And a lot of the parables... Jesus, all of the parables, for the most part, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. But this one in particular, and if you really begin studying, even going back in the Old Testament, going back into Exodus, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and you start looking at the laws that Jesus was passing down to people, what God was passing down through the law, what we find is that Jesus is not just teaching us how to know about him. God's not just showing us in the Old Testament how to know about him. What he's doing is he's showing us how to live in this world. And today, I want you to open your Bibles, if you've got them, to Matthew 18. We're going to begin with actually Matthew 6. Matthew 18 is our parable. But I want you to understand what he's showing us here is how we interact with others 
based on how God interacts with us. And the implications of this, if we don't understand this teaching and embrace it, we invite a poison within us that just causes us to decay inside. Let's begin with Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 15. This is the Lord's Prayer, and then we're going to jump down into our parable. It says, And when you pray, do not heap, heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespass. Let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father, God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have taught us not only in your word, but you continue to teach us through your spirit, through others, and by being involved in our lives. I pray that you would teach us today and help us to experience what does it truly mean to experience forgiveness and to also give it away. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's one of the unspoken things that we don't particularly like about the Lord's Prayer, or about the parable we're about to read. And that is that you can go to church, you can pray, you can sing songs of worship, you can go to small group, you can do all kinds of things that we're telling you are good things, and yet still not know Christ, and still not go to heaven. And we gloss over this because the stakes in embracing this teaching of Jesus is high and at times it feels impossible. We have all been wronged at some point. We have all been hurt at some point. Some of you were hurt already today. Maybe you were hurt over the weekend. Maybe this past week. Maybe it's been years And you've carried this hurt with you your entire life, so much so that if you think of a specific person in your mind, you have a physiological reaction of anxiety and anger and pain at just the thought of them. And the reality is, is that in those situations, there are some people that have hurt us so deeply that we have zero interest in forgiving them. Now, if we were honest, we would probably all go around the room and say, yeah, there are some people that I struggle to forgive. There are some people I don't want to have anything to do with. There are some people that just drive me up the wall. There are some people, what they have done is just so bad, they don't deserve forgiveness. And when we look at what Jesus is saying, even just here, if we just look at this today, if you forgive others their trespasses... Your heavenly Father will also forgive you, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I will tell you that this is one of those verses that comes up in my mind often. 
Ever since I first became a Christian, I came across the Lord's Prayer, and I began to understand, you know, it's really interesting when you read more than just the main scriptures that people read. You know, normally we look at the Lord's Prayer, and we just look at the Lord's Prayer. But when you begin looking around some of those and begin understanding the context, there's a lot of rich stuff there. And what he's saying is, is that literally, if you are unwilling to forgive others, God is not going to forgive you. Now, I think about this often because I, like you, get upset. I, like you, get hurt. I, like you, want to pay back others at times for things they've either done to me or someone I care about. And I think, man, they're just a terrible person. And then I think about this verse. This is totally how the Holy Spirit works, by the way. He will say, you know what? You have to forgive or I won't forgive you. And I think, oh, thanks. I feel feel great now. Now, the point is not that you, by reading these scriptures and by understanding what Jesus is saying, means that you never get upset, you never get hurt, or you never want to withhold forgiveness. It doesn't mean that you're never going to look at somebody and think, you know what, I just hope that you get all the punishment in the world. You know, it doesn't mean you'll never feel that way. In fact, sometimes the act of forgiving others is painful in and of itself for you. And if we stopped here, it would be easy just to say, you know what, if somebody wrongs you, you're just supposed to forgive them because you won't be forgiven. But Jesus goes farther than that to explain why and to explain how we're supposed to view this and to give us the key to forgiving others even when we don't want to. But what many people who struggle with forgiveness, what they don't understand is that it is a poison unforgiveness is a poison and it will keep you from experiencing christ and it will keep you from experiencing heaven but there's something in us that says you know what they don't deserve my forgiveness and so in so doing let's jump down to matthew chapter 18 verse 23 because jesus knew this is how we respond to tough topics and this is what he says Verse 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven, that is the kingdom that we as followers of Jesus are a part of. This constant calling out of the world, even though we live in the world, this calling out of the world to live according to the kingdom, not according to the world. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, in today's currency, we're, we're looking at about a million dollars. He's owed a million dollars. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me, I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is about ten bucks, hundred bucks, somewhere in there. Have patience with me. I will pay you everything. Oh, excuse me. Verse 29. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me. I will pay you. And he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. 
When his fellow servants saw that he had, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I think one of the reasons that Jesus is so harsh in this, he is so strong and so unmoving and unflexible in this teaching of unforgiveness, is that what we don't always see is how important relationships are. You know, much of the life of a follower of Jesus is about relationship. If you go through and you read all of everything happening in the Old Testament and the New, you will find numerous responses and teachings and how we are to have healthy relationships with God and with other people. In fact, we often will talk about the greatest commandments, which are to love God and to love others. Jesus said, people will know you by your love for others and for me. So our relationships are important. You go through even the Ten Commandments, and what you'll find is that the Ten Commandments are all about relationships. Relationships matter. But it's no mystery to us when we look around that relationships are broken all the time, aren't they? I mean, just think, who are the people that you would choose not to be with if you could choose? Who are they? Think about the number of people that they really, if they saw you coming, they would walk the other way. You know, we all have those people too. We all like to just think about the people we don't like, but we know there are people that don't like us too. I mean, we have broken relationships everywhere. All you need to do is put an opinion on Facebook and you will find out how quickly you will have your relationship broken preferably about something political because that's a healing balm on relationships. Post your political opinions and any problem you have with somebody, it will immediately dissolve. I've seen it over and over again, right? That's, I'm joking. Don't do that. Don't do that. We break our relationships with others. We break our relationships with people at work if we feel like they're not carrying their load. We break our relationship with people in school if we feel like they don't accept us for who we are. We break our relationship with other Christians if we believe something a little different or we sing songs a little different or if we read a different version of the Bible. I remember we had a, one of the, the first churches that, that I was a pastor of. We had almost a split in the church over the color of choir robes. It was unbelievable. We needed red choir robes because they demonstrate the blood of Jesus, and that's the way you honor Christ. I'm like, what? What? No, we need blue choir robes because they're more modern and contemporary. It was amazing some of the things we argue about in the church. We break relationships with people all the time. Jesus is concerned not just with everybody doing what's right, but the way we engage each other when things go wrong. As we read the parable, I love how he compares this. We see this as far as salvation goes time and time again using the same type of language of debts and settling accounts. Because truly, when we are hurt, we feel that someone has made a withdrawal from us and they owe us. You have hurt me. 
I'm upset with you. You owe me. You've taken something from me. Now, we don't know in this particular parable if Jesus is talking about he loaned out some money or somebody stole some money or, you know, we don't really know. All we know is he owes him some money. And in the first case, he owes a lot of money, an amount that he would never be able to pay back. And yet, faced with the consequences that the wages of his sin is to be thrown over to the jailer, some translations translate that as tormentors, he instead offers to settle the account, wipe out the debt, and offer forgiveness without repayment. That same man, you would think, is so thankful for what he has been forgiven that he would go out and listen, I just got forgiven for a million bucks. You owe me a hundred, but you're going to jail if you don't pay me back. We look at that and we go, what an idiot. And then we look at what happens next and we're like, really, you're not right in the head. I mean, you're not right. Gosh, you're now, look what you were forgiven. And because you were unwilling to forgive somebody else, and the truth is, is we look at that scenario and we go, oh yeah, it makes so much sense. If I, were the, if I had forgiven him a million dollars and I found that out, you better believe I would throw him in jail. I mean, he's not even thankful for what I've forgiven him for. I can't believe he would do that for somebody else. And then Jesus does the unthinkable, which he does time and time again, and he takes this emotional response everyone's going to have in understanding this story, and he's going to turn it on its end and say, this is exactly like you when you don't forgive someone else because you have been forgiven. Now, when we read this, like I say, we really could just say, well, you're just supposed to forgive, and so I'm going to just sit here, and I'm going to hold it in, but I'm going to say I forgive you, but inside I want to strangle you. But that is not how it ends. That is not the point. It is not we just forgive because we're supposed to, because you know as well as I do, if you've been around the block at all, you do not forgive as just an act of the will, because your heart can still be in, tor- in torment, in turmoil. You still relive the events. You still think about how wrong it was. You still can't believe that they would do that, and it just it, it wears you out, and it just festers and festers and festers. And that poison finds its way to the center of your heart. And it begins to poison you. While the person that you are not forgiving has probably not given it another thought. See, unforgiveness at times we feel morally superior by choosing not to forgive. And yet, what we are actually doing is inviting poison deep within us. See, when we refuse to forgive, we refuse to recognize the debt that was paid for us. We are the one, we are the unforgiving servant. We are not the one that's forgiving the debt of a million. That is God. We are the ones who are forgiving the debt of just a few dollars. And it is difficult at times to truly forgive. Thomas Watson was a uh, Puritan pastor and author. He was born about 300 years ago. He's been gone for a while, but he wrote a book called The Body of Divinity. 
This is how he describes forgiveness. He says, when we strive against all thoughts of revenge, when we will not do our enemies mischief, but wish well to them, grieve at their calamities, pray for them, seek reconciliation with them, and show ourselves ready on all occasions to relieve them. That is forgiveness. When we look at this definition that we strive against thoughts of revenge, when we don't do our enemies mischief, but instead we wish our enemies well, when we grieve at their calamities, we grieve at what has brought them to this place that has caused this harm, we pray for them, we seek reconciliation with them, and we are ready on all occasions to relieve them. What an awesome description of forgiveness that can feel utterly impossible to us at times until we understand that this is what God has done for us through Christ. As we look at what Jesus has done for us, Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. We look at that definition again from Thomas Watson. When we strive against all thoughts of revenge, and we know through Scripture that it takes one sin, one sin to remove us from the presence of God, and that we are then worthy of His judgment, which is also His wrath. Just one sin can do that. I don't know about you, I've passed the first sin a long time ago. I've already passed that today. (laughs) I've passed my first one for the day already. I don't know about you. We are full of sin within our own lives. And God's response to that sin is also judgment. There's punishment. Whenever we're choosing not to forgive someone, the truth is we want revenge for the hurt that they have caused. More on that in a minute. But this is what He has done for us. Strive against all thoughts of revenge. Will not do us, our enemies, mischief, which we are His enemies without the blood of Jesus Christ. He wishes us well. He grieves at our calamities. He prays for us. He seeks reconciliation with us. And He shows that He is ready on all occasions to relieve us. This is what He's offering us. And in return, He's asking us to offer that also to others, even when we don't feel like they deserve it. The truth is, we forgive others because we deeply value our own forgiveness. It doesn't take long for me to be upset about something or someone and to pray about it, that God does not, within my own heart, raise my own failings. I don't know if that works that way for you, that's totally how he works with me. Whenever I get caught up on what something, someone else is doing that's wrong, then he regularly brings up to me, oh, well, let's talk about doing stuff that's wrong. I'm like, yeah, that's not the point, you know? It's never the point, right? We do that even when we're kids. You know, I shouldn't have done, it shouldn't have happened to me. Well, let's look at what you did. Well, I don't care what I did. It still shouldn't have happened. We carry that into adulthood. That lack of forgiveness, it changes us. It poisons us. 
Psalm 103.10 says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame, He remembers that we are dust. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Sometimes we need to go through and we need to remember how far we fell before Jesus rescued us. To remember how far others can fail before we are not trying to punish them for hurting us. We recognize when we understand the incredible amount of forgiveness that we have, we recognize our debt has been settled. And I will tell you, I believe and I have found that the true fuel for forgiveness within your life is found in the joy of recognizing you've been forgiven. It is hard to forgive some people, isn't it? I mean, there are some sins that are just so heinous that to forgive them it feels impossible and, and that it shouldn't even be offered, it's so bad. When we look at crimes against people that we care about, then we think, oh, I cannot withhold forgiveness. When we look at crimes against children, we think, oh, I cannot forgive that. When we look at things that people have done that have caused us deep, deep pain, deep, deep anguish within ourselves, we think, oh, I cannot forgive this. Instead, what we have a tendency to do is follow what I... I, when I was going through counseling and uh, a number of years ago, one of the things that stuck out to me, one of the lessons that I just, I don't know, it grabbed hold of me and I've thought about it ever since is what's called the anger train. Has anybody ever heard of the anger train? Anybody heard of that? So the anger train is this. Anger is never the first emotion. You never initially begin with anger. Even when you see something and in a moment you flare up in anger, anger is actually not ever the first emotion that you feel. The first emotion that you feel that leads to anger is always, always hurt. Hurt is the first one. Now, sometimes those hurts are enormous, right? Those hurts are so overwhelming anyone could see them. Sometimes those hurts are very, very small. And you can endure one or two. You can endure them for a time and someone says something or constantly communicates something that you're not good enough or whatever and they just, just little subtle things here and there but it still hurts and it digs and it digs a little deeper and you can handle that for a while but over time enough of these hurts string together all of a sudden you feel unable all of a sudden, it's a big deal. The unresolved hurt will eventually, in 100% of the time, end up in bitterness. When we hold on to hurts and we don't let it go, we become bitter. And in our minds, bitterness only can find, in our thoughts, bitterness can only find resolution through revenge. You have hurt me. Now, I will hurt you. Tit for tat. You do something to me, 
I'm going to do something to you. That's why there are times that we willingly lash out and hurt others and we think, oh, it's justified. And yet Jesus would say, it's never justified. And yet deep within us, there's this feeling that, oh, I just, I need to deal with this. When we forgive others, we do it in part because it aligns us with Christ and what Christ has done for us. Not because it erases the hurt, but because it releases us from it. So forgiveness is not just that thing that we do to stay good with God. Forgiveness is that thing to do that we quite honestly survive when we're living around other people. Because you cannot live around other people without experiencing hurt ever. You are going to experience hurt in some way. It could be at work. It could be at home. It could be with your friends. It could be just with you looking in the mirror. We all experience hurt within our lives. And whenever we hold on to it, it poisons us until we let it go. We forgive others because it removes the poison of bitterness and it also removes the need for revenge, which is one of the hardest pills to swallow depending on how you grew up and how you learned to resolve hurt and anger. Because if you grew up watching others just destroy anybody that may have possibly hurt them, then you have grown up believing, you know what? If somebody does something to you, you better do it to them ten times more. And it is so very difficult to overcome that way of living your life. And yet what Jesus would say is, turn the other cheek. What Jesus would say is, if someone wants to take something from you, give it to them. And not only that, give them more than they ask. We read those things, and those are the teachings of Jesus that I like to ignore myself. I like to pretend they're not there and say, you know, that's probably a, 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 transition, a translation error. I don't think Jesus would actually say that, so I'm just going to pretend it's not there. We do that all the time, by the way. We laugh about it, but we do that all the time. It's like, no. Nah, nah. Do you ever come across a verse and you're like, oh, 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 I'm not reading that today. I'm not processing this today. This is not the day for this. I guarantee if you're one of those people that just flip open your Bibles and go, huh, what am I going to read today? It's going to be on the day that you've got to forgive somebody that the passage on forgiveness comes up. You're like, oh, not today, God. Not today. This is not a good day. I'll be stronger tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow we'll broach this subject, but not today. Many of Jesus' teachings are this way. That's why I find it so fascinating that whenever the big crowds come around him, he says something like that. And, he, and they all are like, oh, fine, I give up. I just, uh. But only those who truly want to know Christ stick around. So that's what happens when we get to these difficult teachings is because there are so many of them that so many people today, so many people who call themselves Christians today say, that is too radical for me. I'm just going to ignore that one. That's why we can have churches that literally split over the color of carpet or the color of choir robes, color of hymnals. Should we do the King James Version or the NIV or whatever? There are literally churches who have completely broken relationships with others because of that. So you cannot read Jesus' teachings and live that way. It's impossible. But the way that we make it work is we just we hold on to the ones that feel good that we don't have an issue with 
and we just slightly ignore the ones who don't and claim God's grace in those areas of our life. And so when we claim God's grace, what we're really saying is, I don't agree with you. And Jesus doesn't say, it's okay, it's okay. You don't have to agree with me on everything. It's okay, we can have a difference of opinion. He doesn't. He says, if you won't forgive others, I won't forgive you. Those are hard lessons to learn. And if you think it's easy for me to talk about this as if this is not an issue for me, you're mistaken. Because this is part of the human condition that we are still waiting for the Savior to return and rescue us from. But this is part of living our lives following Him. This is part of picking up that cross and following him. You see, sometimes we think, well, that just means I have to endure persecution. Sometimes that means you have to forgive somebody you're really ticked off at, and that is your cross. And the thing is, is not only are you demonstrating that to your own heart and to Christ, you're demonstrating that to the people around you. You're showing other people, do I really believe the gospel or not? Do I really believe in forgiveness? And sometimes it even points to the fact of, do I really believe that he has forgiven me? See, sometimes we're not forgiving of others because we haven't fully embraced the fact that Jesus is fully willing to forgive us. We are forgiven through his blood. We, we sometimes struggle with that. Some of you have grown up with people telling you about every single bad thing you've ever done, and then they like to remind you, you know, you kind of climb out of that that pit of despair and they see you climb out and it's like oh remember that time that you and you're falling right back down in the pit of despair again sometimes it's because we don't fully believe and embrace the fact that god's love and forgiveness is that full and complete that he forgets our transgressions as far as the east is from the west because that is the fuel by which you have the strength to forgive somebody else to recognize what have i been forgiven for thank you, Jesus, that I'm forgiven. We forgive others because it removes the poison of bitterness and the need for revenge. Anger is literally the desire to hurt the person that has hurt you. Exodus 20.13 is the sixth commandment. It says, you shall not murder. I love that commandment. I don't have a problem with it. I've never done it. Most of the time, I don't even think about it, right? (laughs) Most of the time. I love those commandments that I don't struggle with. You shall have no other idols. Well, then let's just leave it at that. I'll have no other carved objects of other gods. Let's not talk about the TV (laughs) or others' opinions of you or me. We have all kinds of idols, but I like to focus on the ones that I don't struggle with. I love this one, thou shalt not commit murder. We need to have a deeper study on that, Scott, so we can just feel good about our teaching and that we've got this one covered. I mean, I do. I don't know about you. I've got this one covered. But do you realize why Jesus is teaching this? It's not that there was this mass problem that people were just going around killing everybody. Like, listen, I can't get the world populated. You guys just keep killing each other. That is not why he has this, this commandment. The problem is, is that murder is the is the culmination of the broken relationship. 
I mean, we start talking about, you know, you should not covet your neighbor's wife. Well, duh. (laughs) It's about relationships. So I have no other gods before me. That's about, it's about relationships. You shall not murder because you see forgiveness, unforgiveness led to the end of its conclusion and finding its ultimate revenge for hurt and anger is murder. That's where it ends up. We sometimes want to jump there and kind of slide it into the hole all by itself, but yet within our hearts we are killing people even though we may not physically actually do it. In our hearts, we're killing them. That's the danger of holding on to these things and not letting them go. You know, when we know Christ, when we have the Holy Spirit in us, understand that that Spirit is going to move you towards, unforgi- or towards forgiveness because the Holy Spirit is there because you have been forgiven. What does it say about the spirit that lives within us if we are constantly wanting to cause others harm or hurt after they've hurt us or someone that we love? What kind of spirit is within us? What kind of spirit is within us that is unforgiving consistently? I'm going to just say a couple of more practical things before we quit here. A few things that forgiveness does not mean. So there are a few things that forgiveness doesn't mean. Number one, forgiveness does not mean that we aren't angry at the sin or the offense. It doesn't mean that that doesn't happen. In fact, Scripture tells us, be angry at the sin, but not at the sinner, which is hard, 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 hard for us because it's hard for us to separate that. So it doesn't mean that when we're forgiven, we just say, you know what, it's okay, it's no big deal. It's not that we look at the offense or the hurt or the pain, the things that we're seeing in the news. It doesn't, it doesn't mean we just go, okay, it's all right. I forgive you. They don't even care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't care if you forgive me. It doesn't mean that we're not angry at the sin, too. It also doesn't mean that there are not consequences of sin. I, you know, one of the things, easy ways I like to think about this is if someone actually walks in and steals something from a store and then walks out and then repents, guess what? If you're caught, you're still going to court. There's still consequences. God will certainly forgive you if you're repentant, but there are consequences. It doesn't mean that we just relinquish all consequences. Now, that being said, the consequence is not, well, I'll just never talk to you again. That's unforgiveness. That's not a consequence. You know, the consequence isn't, okay, you took something from me. I'm going to hit you with a baseball bat. That is not what I'm saying here, that we just get to pick our consequence, and then we just say, oh, I forgive you. Now I'm going to beat you over the head. That is not what I mean. But there are consequences for sin. We're still going to have to deal with those. The third thing is, and this is the th- something that I think Christians often struggle with. And I'm not real sure why. I think it's part of our misunderstanding of how God's working and what he's calling us to. One of the misunderstandings about forgiveness is that somehow we just have to pretend like it's not happening and we just need to sit there and take it, you know, turn that other cheek day in, day out, day in, day out. Forgiveness does not mean we have to sit there and subject ourselves to that same unrepentant person repeatedly. See, repentance means that we're turning or changing. We're not continuing in this behavior anymore. It doesn't mean that when someone's unrepentant, someone doesn't care and they have no interest in changing, that we just sit there and take it nonstop and go, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. Talk about a recipe for depression, despair, 
mean, that's going to do it. If you want to become a bitter person, just subject yourself to the same abuse over and over and over and over again, and you will hold that in, and it will be very difficult to let that go. Bitterness grows in us so quickly. It's like the weeds in my garden, right? The things I want to grow, they take forever, but a weed overnight is 12 feet tall. And if you don't have those in your garden, I'll go bring you some. If you don't believe me, that's like they grow overnight, and they smell terrible when you cut them, by the way. But... I will tell you that what God is saying is not that you have to sit there and you have to endure it over and over and over again. But that forgiveness is not just a gift for them. That forgiveness is a gift for yourself. And sometimes we need to understand the gift that it is to us before we're able to truly give it to someone else. Even if we don't subject ourselves to the same unrepentant person repeatedly, there are certain situations in which that is difficult. If you have an abusive coworker, an abusive boss, and you don't have another job opportunity, you either submit to the abuse or you don't eat, right? There are some hard situations. If you're in a family and you have an unrepentant person, You've got to find another way out. It's, it's hard. It's hard. Luke 17 says, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. But what happens if he doesn't repent? Have you ever wondered about that? We often talk in the church about this ideal that, you know, you just even if they don't want to be forgiven, you just forgive them. You know, Scripture talks about that too. This is what it says, verse 4. If he sins against you seven times in the day and he turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Matthew 18 says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, in other words, if you go and you say, this is the offense, this is the harm, this is what you have done, this is the sin And he does not listen. Take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him to be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector, which means in in that vernacular, remove them from the church. So this teaching is really talking about people that know Christ And there are times that a person who is unrepentant, while you may forgive them for the hurt that they've given you, does not mean that we just have to pretend that it isn't happening. It doesn't mean that we just sweep it under the rug because that's what a lot of Christians do, believing this is how I honor Christ. I just pretend that the hurt's not there. I sweep it under the rug and we all go on with our lives. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, bring it up with other believers, and if they refuse to see the harm that they're doing, then they need to be out of the church. That's how serious Jesus takes our relationships with each other. So what if a person is unrepentant? He talks about that as well, by the way. And it doesn't feel much better than the idea of forgiving someone who doesn't want to be forgiven. 
Luke 6, 27 and 28 says, I say to you who hear, again, remember Jesus, these secret teachings of Jesus, only the people who really are intent on following Jesus are going to get this and certainly are going to apply this. I say to you who hear, love your friends. <laughs> That's what it says. You know why the Bible doesn't say love your friends? You don't have to. <laughs> it just happens. It's kind of like telling me, you know, eat a Swiss cake roll if it's on the kitchen table. I mean, it, no one needs to inform me of that. No one needs to tell me to do it or give me the instruction. You leave a Swiss cake roll on the table, even at your own house, I'm going to eat it. That's the way I work. We don't have to teach each other to love your friends, right? Love those people who tell you you are awesome. Done! Got my Bible reading done for the day. Yes, Lord, I am in. Got this thing. Love Jesus. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Now, I will tell you, none of those things are possible apart from Christ. None of them. <laughs> you just go find some random person who is carrying around a lifetime worth of hurt and say, you know what? You really just need to love your enemies. And then they're going to hit you. I'm just going to tell you right there. They're going to they're punch you in any way they can, whatever will hurt most. This is what Christ is doing in us. This is what he desires to do in us. The fuel for forgiving others is the incredible recognition of the vast amount of forgiveness we have received ourselves. If you are not constantly in a moment of repentance with Christ, you will struggle to forgive others because it is in our repentance that we recognize the beautiful gift of forgiveness that we have received. You see, whenever I get upset with somebody else and then I realize my own faults, I don't don't struggle as much with forgiving them because I realize I'm just like them. And Jesus has forgiven me. I have got to pass that on to them. The truth is, though, if a person is unrepentant, you cannot heal a broken relationship with someone who's unrepentant. I mean, you cannot have reconciliation in a relationship with somebody who has hurt you and could quite honestly care less. You're not going to reconcile that relationship. That is something that you want to happen. That is maybe someone's important to you and they've hurt you and you want to be reconciled with them. And You cannot be reconciled. Just as we cannot be reconciled with God without repentance either. See, uh, repentance is what issues in the reconciliation, whether it be with God or with other people. This is why whenever we tend to look about forgiveness, we want to focus on the fact that we have to forgive others, their, how they have harmed us. But in reality, the, what we need to be looking at is, where do I need to go and ask others to forgive me? Because I have done hurt, I have done harm to others. Forgiveness is a two-way streak. It's not just what others owe us. It's what we owe others. This is how we have stronger relationships with each other. We are in a terrible time right now, and we're just, we get whipped up in a frenzy by all kinds of things, and we're ready to fight with people at a moment's notice. All you got to do is, you know, declare your political party. 
even in the church. Declare your political party, and guess what? Somebody's ready for a fight. We talk about the dangers of the communication structures that are in place now that we don't communicate face-to-face as much. I'll tell you that that is, that is beginning to change. Some, some of you guys who are in, in school and high school, you're coming up recognizing some of the problems that those of us that we didn't grow up with all the technology and then it came into our lives and we were just, we embraced it. It was like the greatest toy ever. And we've lived our lives that way. And this is the way things work generationally, by the way. We get all mixed up. We don't see even our own brokenness. And then our kids come and they've watched it their entire childhood and they go, not me. I'm not going to do that. That's why, we, that's why you see generational shifts. We're in a time when our face-to-face relationships with people are weaker than most of us have ever experienced in our lives. That doesn't honor Christ. This is why one of the ways that we have to follow Christ is to pull back and to recognize we have to have time with people. This is why small groups are important. This is why doing doing life together is important. It's not just come and sit and worship and then leave, but we intermingle our lives together. You see, that's what the church has always been meant to be is the intermingling of lives of those who were following Christ. And that intermingling of lives in and of itself will be a testimony to a world that is in despair and bitterness and hurt and are desperate for something better. They see the intermingling of lives because at the core of each of us, we are, if not anything else, relational. Now, those of you who are introverted in the room, you're going, you know what, uh-uh. Because when I'm with other people, I always feel worse. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. Maybe you're not in the room with the right people. Because <laughs> sometimes... The right people help you to experience the world and make you come alive. Even if after you need to go escape by yourself. Relationships are so crucial within the church. Let me leave you with this. This is one of those things that everyone has their own, their own thing going on in their lives. You have your own hurt, and some of your hurts are things like, you know, my sister ate the last Pop-Tart and didn't ask me if I wanted some. And for some, when I remember there was a time when I was a kid and I thought that was a deep hurt. That was a wound. She ate the last Pop-Tart, did not even ask me. She did that the last time we got Pop-Tarts too. Because I don't know about you, we didn't get many Pop-Tarts in our family. I'm trying to tell you why Pop-Tarts are so, such a big hurt. But some of you, your hurts are way deeper than that. Some of you, your hurts, that's so silly that your hurt is so damaging inside, you don't know how you're going to make it. Let me just say this. You cannot control the response of other people to you. You can control your response to other people. And if you will purge yourself from the bitterness that wants to grow within your heart, you can relieve yourself of that poison. And you can forgive them even if they have not asked for it. You can let that out. You can get it out of you. And in so doing, you align yourself with Christ. You experience His embrace. And you walk as He intended in this world. 
Do you need to experience forgiveness? Is there someone you need to go to and you need to say, I'm sorry? Is there someone that's hurt you? Maybe they don't even know. And you need to just say, I just want you to know that really hurt me and I need to forgive you. Sometimes we need to go and say, I know I hurt you. I need you to forgive me. That's a deep relationship, by the way. And you have friends that you can forgive each other because you will eventually cause harm to each other at some point. And what about our relationship with God? When is the last time you had a deep moment of repentant prayer? If you want some freedom today, if you're struggling with freedom and you want some freedom today, get quiet and alone and say, forgive me. And then just think through your mind everything you know about God, everything you know about what it looks like to follow him, and every time you've willfully chosen another way. And just repent. And if you get to a, if you have a short list or you get to the end of your list, I have found it very helpful just to say, show me where I have failed. I, for some reason, the Holy Spirit loves that stuff. I don't know what it is. But then it's, it's just like, you know, oh, you need to forgive me for that. Uh, and then I pray, God, you know, show me. Where do I need to be forgiven? Boom, my list just jumps. It's amazing how when we're really interested in the things God is interested, how much he aligns us and makes us alive in that moment. Maybe you need to spend some time just in some repentant prayer and asking forgiveness. Maybe that's not your issue at all. Maybe your issue is you need to sit down and you need to have an honest conversation with God saying, have you really forgiven me? Am I really forgiven? Because if I'm really forgiven, how do I let loose of this that I'm holding on to? How do I not let this drive my life for the rest of my life? How do I let this out, get it out? How do I move on with my life do you really forgive people as far as the east is from the west? Maybe it, through the blood of Christ, am I really totally forgiven where well, you're not going to hold these sins against me? I mean, are you really, is what Jesus did on that cross really enough that from now until I meet you in heaven, my sins are gone before you? Is that really possible? And I'm going to tell you right now, if you haven't come to the place to recognize that is the gift of salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ, you need to experience that type of forgiveness now. Without that type of forgiveness, you will never have the strength or the fuel to forgive others when they hurt you. Maybe you need to experience forgiveness from Christ. We're going to sing one more song as we close today. And this may be a time where you just want to pray right now. Maybe you want to pray for somebody that's hurting. Maybe you want to ask prayer for yourself. Maybe you need at this point to go to somebody and say, I need to, I'm going to schedule some time and I'm going to ask them to forgive me. I, I don't know what it is, but I would encourage you. I know all of us struggle with this issue. Whatever you are, however you need to act, don't wait until later to think about this. Start that process right now. So many times we wait, and our mind has a way of just ignoring that. And we move on with our life, and that poison continues to build. Don't let unforgiveness be a poison within your heart. Just pray with me. Father, God, I thank you for your grace and your love. I thank you for the forgiveness that you've given us. It's just unbelievable and immaculate father i know we all struggle with sin in this 
life, even those that have devoted their lives to following you. We struggle with this sin. We struggle with the sin of others that impact us. I pray that we would experience your forgiveness and that we would understand how complete your forgiveness is. I pray that you would give us the heart to pass that forgiveness on to others. Let us live our lives not looking for the hurts that others may bring to us, but instead looking for the joy that we have in you so that as we walk through this life, we can pass these hurts away and not let them poison our hearts and our souls. You have settled our accounts through Jesus Christ. We have owed a massive debt that we would never be able to pay, and we plead with you, forgive us. And you have promised to be faithful to do just that. Father, I pray for those in this room that are experiencing broken relationships right now, that they would be able to heal those relationships, go to those people, and they would be able to move beyond that hurt. I pray that for those in our minds that we just want revenge on however we can get it, that we will let that go. Because, Father, you have all the reason to hold us accountable and to judge us, and yet you have chosen to freely overlook our transgressions because of what Christ did for us on the cross. Let us live in that every single day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.